You're listening to a podcast from JNIS. Good afternoon. Today, I've got Mike Froehler, who was the corresponding author on a Editor's Choice article for the July issue of um, JNIS. The title of the article is The Hyperdense Vessel Sign on CT Predicts Successful Recanalization with the Mercy Device in Acute Ischemic Stroke. Mike is currently Assistant Professor of Neurology at, at Vanderbilt. So, Mike, congratulations on, on your Editor's, Editor's Choice article, and I really appreciate you talking to me uh, this morning. Can, can you tell me a little bit about, about your study and, and maybe summarize some of the results? Of course. So this was a, an interesting retrospective study that I did while I was at UCLA with the big uh, stroke group there. One of the nice things about the uh, the stroke investigators at UCLA is that they've maintained um, a, a very detailed database of stroke patients and their treatment over the last decade or so. And one of the things that I got interested in is trying to identify ways to predict success or failure of endovascular thrombectomy for acute ischemic stroke before we actually got on the clot. So were there any non-invasive ways to know what our chances of success were going to be? And, you know, so we started thinking about other historical predictors, such as, you know, do they have a history of atrial fibrillation? They had strokes before. Do they have a hypercoagulable disorder? Uh, but, you know, those were things that others have looked at in the past and, and hadn't really panned out. And we started to notice that some clots, you know, when you do get there with your device, whether it's a catheter or a thrombectomy device, you really have a tactile sense that there's a difference among clots. Some are firmer and more adhesive, and others are uh, softer and, and perhaps easier to remove. And so... With that in mind, what we did is go back through the records um, in in the stroke database to find an imaging correlate of different types of thrombi. And this had partly come out of previous work at UCLA from Victor Martyr and David Liebeskind uh, and their colleagues looking at the histology of clots after they were removed. Now, of course, there's an inherent bias in that kind of a study because it's only the clots that get removed that you get to do histology on. So I wanted to go back and see if we could find uh, a more non-invasive way to identify which clots might respond uh, to mechanical thrombectomy. And so we started looking at the hyperdense vessel sign. So on non-contrast CT scan, often, though not always, we can see the occlusive thrombus um, as it is a little bit more dense compared to the surrounding tissue or to other arteries that are not thrombosed. In our data set, we had, I think, about 67 uh, patients that had a non-contrast CT prior to endovascular stroke treatment. And that number's not huge compared to, the, compared to the number of patients that were treated endovascularly at UCLA. The reason for that is it's really a, an MRI-driven institution. So this was actually a small minority of the patients that we had treated since, I think, 2004. But what we did is we went back and then looked at these patients who had a non-contrast CT prior to treatment and then looked for the hyperdense vessel sign in a blinded way. So Pablo Villablanca um, went through each scan and just, you know, made a, a qualitative assessment 
hyperdense vessel sign present or absent. And it wasn't listed, uh, limited to the MCA or, or any particular vessel. Just if he thought he saw a hyperdense thrombus in one of the intracranial arteries, uh, then that was noted. And then we also did some measurement of the uh, density of those uh, clots uh, in Hounsfield units. And independently from that, I went through all the angiograms and looked at the degree of successful recanalization in terms of TICI scores. And then we kind of put those two, you know, merged those two data sets and looked for any correlation between the presence or absence of the hyperdense vessel sign and the success or failure of mechanical uh, thrombectomy. And it turned out that if you saw the hyperdense vessel sign, it was much more likely that you would have success with mechanical thrombectomy. And in contrast, if you did not see the hyperdense vessel sign, uh, it was very unlikely that you would achieve success with mechanical thrombectomy. And I should also point out that in our study, to kind of keep things even, we limited it further to thrombectomy only with the Mercy device. Okay. Do you think you may be able to extrapolate that data to some of the other mechanical devices, um, you know, either penumbra or some of the stent trevers? Uh, I do think so. I haven't done that study personally, though it's on my to-do list. But um, others have, since this study came out uh, over a year ago, others have also published similar findings. I think the UCSF group published uh, a similar observation with presence or absence of the hyperdense vessel sign and the likelihood of recanalization with any form of treatment. And so it was, I think, IBTPA or IATPA or thrombectomy, either with a Mercy or Penumbra system. So I think that was a, a brief communication in, in stroke that may have come out, I don't know, a couple months ago. And uh, so I'm, I'm not sure that they've done or are planning to do a subgroup analysis for the specific devices or specific treatment modalities. But it, it at least is another independent uh, sort of co corroboration of what we found, which is that the hyperdense vessel sign seems to predict success of, of treatment across modalities. And actually, come to think of it, there's another, there's another group in Japan who a few years ago looked at not the hyperdense vessel sign on CT, but they looked at the susceptibility vessel sign on MRI and found that that was a predictor of successful recanalization with IVTPA. In your experience, then, have the results of the study changed your clinical practice? I mean, do you, do you utilize it um, for brain attack cases currently to, to work out strategy? To some extent, yes. But the issue is, if we're to take these findings and apply it to clinical practice, then what you would say is, in the setting of a large artery occlusion and a hyperdense vessel sign on CT, you'd say, okay, this is probably going to go pretty well. I'm probably going to be able to get that clot out. And in contrast, if you don't see a hyperdense vessel sign, if the clot is isodense, uh, then you might say, this is going to be tough. The question more generally is, this is going to be a tough clot, so should I utilize a different technique? Should I somehow change my approach to this clot based on the absence of the hyperdense vessel sign? And unfortunately, my answer to that is, Right now, I don't know what a better technique is. So um, it, it really hasn't changed my, my practice in that regard yet. Um, but I think you know, that's really the next step is once we're able to identify thrombus type 
a priori, then we can start to find out which treatment types are more appropriate for which thrombus types. You know, sort of a, detecting the hyperdense vessel sign, you had sort of a qualitative method and, and a quantitative method. Did you correlate those at all? Yeah, we did that as an internal control to make sure that this qualitative assessment by, you know, a, a single reader, although blinded, was something that is reflected in the actual density on CT in terms of Hounsfield units. And so it, it did, and, you know, I felt like that told us, again, that this is a, a reasonable assessment by a very experienced neuroradiologist who is making a qualitative assessment that matches the quantitative uh, measurement of the density. Um, I don't think that it really adds any additional value in practice. I think that, uh, you know, one thing we could potentially think about doing in a larger data set is finding some specific threshold in terms of density or in terms of density ratios, which is what we used in the study. But that's not something that I've looked at yet. And to be honest, at least in our single data set, the qualitative measurement of hyperdense vessel, yes or no, uh, was, was a pretty good predictor. Okay. Uh, did you look at all to see if the sign correlated with sort of stroke etiology? Uh, we did as much as we could within the data set. And, um, you know, the multifactorial analysis took into account the uh, stroke etiology and that, you know, we, we basically used um, kind of modified TOAST criteria and it was cardioembolic, large artery athero, which was divided further into extracranial versus intracranial, uh, or cryptogenic. And within those categories, we didn't really find at least anything statistically significant in terms of uh, a relationship. Well, it seems like this may be useful not only for clinical practice, but potentially for in vitro modeling of device designs and, and also potentially in the setting of clinical trials. Um, do you have a, an opinion about that? I do, and, and I agree. It, it will be useful in both of those domains. In terms of the translational science and developing new devices or even testing old ones with, with this understanding of different thrombus types, uh, the group at UMass led by Matt Gunis has been working on this in particular. I think that they've already started some of this work in terms of looking at different thrombus types, and I know that they're going to continue to do that, looking at different devices in that setting. In the clinical domain, um, it, this may well be a useful way to to assess the thrombus and to uh, measure the size of the thrombus in clinical trials. And that's exactly what's happening in the therapy trial, where they're using thin slice CT to measure the length of the thrombus as part of the inclusion criteria for the study. You know, the density I think is one predictor of potential uh, response to therapy, but the other predictor is just the size of the clot, and it makes sense that big clots are going to be less likely to respond to IVTPA, um, and that indeed has been borne out by some studies in the past, and so therapy is building on that knowledge and using a minimum clot size to select patients for that, for that study. So I do think that there is some real-world application of this understanding going forward, at least in terms of, in terms of clinical science. Yeah, and the beauty is it's a simple parameter to assess, um, really. So, and it doesn't 
change the workflow much at all. So that's that's great. Well, Mike, I, I really appreciate you talking to me uh, this morning. Anything you want to add? There may be an MRI correlate of this in the susceptibility vessel sign. We mentioned that as well, but I think that's that's another another thing that people are going to be working on. And it might be that between CT and MRI, uh, we will be able to start to really classify thrombi before heading to the angio suite. Yeah, that would be fantastic because, as you know, you sort of go in uh, blindly and um, you know, if you're successful, it's great. If if you're not, then often you, you have no idea why you weren't successful. So it, it would be really nice to have that information, you know, ahead of time uh, when you're going into a procedure, I think. Right. I agree. I agree. So hopefully that's the future. Great. Great. Well, congratulations again uh, on your um, fantastic work, and um, and thanks for thanks for spending time to talk to me.